So I wanted to get us a little bit in the mode of uh, preparation for the upcoming Chag. We are in the last week before the Antif. Um, and so that's it. That's it. This is the final week of, uh, of Achana. It starts tonight, the last, uh, the last of the Midas that we're supposed to be working on. So I just want to discuss a little bit of some, some interesting things that I guess um, to me were something unusual to think about in terms of what Shavuos is all about. Many years ago I had an interesting aura a little bit that the whole uh, Yantav of Shavuos is sort of like maybe the wrong day to celebrate because basically what happened on Shavuos, we got the Luchais, we ended up, uh, th- ended up getting broken. We had to start over again. And uh, all we got uh, is the second Luchas, Luchas Shniyas. And, uh, and that happened first on Yom Kippur. So basically, the whole holiday is like a bust, you know what I'm saying? In a way. It's kind of depressing when you think about it. So we sort of, like, what do we get out of the whole, the whole thing of Shavuos? Basically, it's like, uh, and it's, the truth is that what we would have had was very amazing. It would have, been, it would have not been possible to forget the Torah. When, when, when we had the Luchas Rishonis. And now, the whole Torah, the whole system that we have is built on the Luchas Shnis. It's a whole different system. The Luchas Shnis are, take our Havanya. It's our work. That's, what it, that's the significance of the fact that it was written by Moshe Rabbeinu instead of written by Etzbelihim. When it's Etzbelihim, when it's God's finger, it's not Shaykh to forget. But uh, the, when it's written by Moshe, so it's weaker, it's not as strong and... and and uh, basically, we lost that whole system of the whole, the whole, the whole thing that happened on Shavuos. Pretty much is what what remnant do we even have from this, from the whole Shavuos, and uh, why are we celebrating it in that case? So that's the Shaila. So um, not saying it's the hardest question. Of course, you know, bottom line is it's still a seminal event in history. Maybe the most seminal event. We Kali Yisrael as a whole achieved a level of nevuah. That's uh, an amazing thing, and uh, we 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 heard God that speak to us directly. That's itself is something that's unbelievable. When you think about that, that too, that too is a is a bit of a question because you know a bunch of weeks before on Shvishal Pesach, we also had an aspect of nevuah even higher than most of the Nevi'im were ever able to perceive. Because uh, we're told that uh, even the, the most mundane person, a, a maidservant by Yamsuf, saw more prophetic vision, a, a more clarity of God's hand with the Kriyas Yamsuf, Yecheskel himself, who saw all these amazing things, the whole Maisa Merkava, didn't even come to the toenails of what the Shif Chalayam was able to see. So when you think about it in that way, the prophetic vision of Maimed Harsinai, why is that so uh, a big, so much of a big deal when uh, we had it much earlier? So what do we get out of Shavuos? What is Shavuos? What happened on Shavuos? So, it's actually a Pasuk in the Torah. Okay, that describes the events of uh, Shavuos and uh, the receiving of the Torah and the Maimon Har Sinai. 
and it says, what was Hashem's uh, goal over here of having of having this uh, this direct revelation to Kali Yisrael. And the goal, and basically it says um, that Shetia Yerasa, that basically that, that the effect of the whole experience at Har Sinai changed us completely. Basically the experience at Har Sinai, Pasuk says that the fear of heaven is on our faces forevermore. Which is not clear what that means, but in a very in the Kabbalistic works, they all describe how it's Pascha Zuhumasan. Kal Yisrael Kal Yisrael had all the way going back to the hate of the Eitz Adas, of the eating of the Eitz Adas, as did all of the people in the world have a Zuhama, which I can't describe in, in any way. It's, it's a certain stench of, of baseness that we all had as a result of the hate, because basically, as the, mission, as the Gemara describes it, the Nachash was Baal Chava. The snake had relations with Chava, whatever that means, and infused her with a, with a zuama, with a certain, a certain stench. And that stench was with us all the way up until Har Sinai, and we achieved a level, what we achieved on our Sinai was such a level that we changed and it was Paschal Zormasan. It, it literally left our bodies. Our bodies became clarified, became purified on the Maimed Har Sinai. So we changed. Our physical body changed. So much so that the Gemara Navedazara talks about this and says an amazing thing that... Uh, I remember my father was, uh, had a chabura, they were learning of a Zara, and um, afterwards I was talking to him about it, and he said, you know, one thing I discovered is that uh, the Chachamim the and the Talmud did not have a high opinion of, of Kayim. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what he got out of the Masechta. And that's very true. It basically, he's referring probably to this Gemara that says that a person can't trust a Gentile with his animals because they're going to have relations with his animals. And it's like, what kind of... Like, what's, what's, the, what's the deal with that? <laughs> what is going on? Like, what's going on? And the answer is, is that they, they have a, a hava to the Jewish-owned animals more than... more than their own wives. They have a taiva to the animals. And the reason why is, is because... The Kayim, the nations of the world, have that zuama and they know it, and it smells, and, it, and they can sense it. And there's something in the body that's, that's echodic. I don't know how to explain it. It's disgusting to them. And uh, they recognize that the Jewish people, it's gone, and therefore their kinyanim, in a sense, also have that, have that certain quality to it. But did it come back by the Chetaito? Not apparently from the Gemara. Apparently, not exactly, not fully. This was physical or spiritual. There's a, I don't know how to explain it because it doesn't really give a, a strong description. But there was a, there was something that changed with Klal Yisrael at the Maimed Har Sinai in their bodies, not in their neshama, not in their seichel. So it, was, that, it was like an aroma. 
Right. A it's a stick. That, whatever. It's something in there. Right. This is what. This is the description of the Gemara. The Chabad has it. It's shmet Kenzine. No, that's a different stick. That's that's uh, pure psychology. The guy who's trying to avoid them is the guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's like introducing himself to them is not the guy. They're <laughs> it's Pasha. Okay. Anyway, so that's the side. Anyway, um, what is this Pascha Zoasa? What is this? So, it says that the Yira is going to be on their faces. So what? Um, I was looking around and I saw a fascinating thing that there's some there's a certain quality that the Yidin received from that that still mean, is retained at this, to this very day and that is that basically that Yidin are not nechshad on, 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 uh, with Behemoth because they have what happened on what happened at Arsinai was this Paschus Amasim but more than that is that they have a certain busha. Because our bodies were elevated, we have, there's certain things that we're just not willing to bring down our bodies to. It's like there's a certain level that's too low for us that we're just not willing to go past that point. And that's the busha that keeps us from, that can bring us, it helps us, elevates us to yeraschet, to having a true fear of sin. So that's what, that's what changed. So that's what happened. So there's a big thing that we, that we did achieve. That's a permanent achievement that happened on Shavuos is that we have a certain sense of busha that when it comes to very grub activities, we just can't do it. It's just like, can't do it. Can't bring ourselves to do it. A little connection... I heard from Rabbi Eisenberger a Gewalt Gavart on the story of Rus. And uh, the story goes is that uh, the question is, is that what was the merit of Machlein? Machlein was the husband of Rus. And, um, and it was his, so to speak, it wasn't completely him, it was Baez, but Baez was really fulfilling his. Like he was like doing Ki'ilu Yibum of Machlein, but to continue the line of Machlein. It was going to be, the kid is going to basically inherit from Machlein's line. There was some connection to Machlein. Where did he have even a merit? These two, these people were, came from a wealthy family. They couldn't handle it in Eretz Yisrael because people were hocking them for too much money. So they said, we're out of here. They moved to Mayav. They ended up marrying two Gaisha princesses. What's so gavatic about that? So, so, Rabbi Eisenberg, Yud Eisenberger told me a fascinating idea. I just found this amazing. He said that if you think about it, Machlin was the older one, Kilian was younger. Arpa was older, Rus was younger. What's the pshat that Machlin married Rus and Kilian married Arpa? What's up with that? The answer is, is that when it came down to it, they were fall in love, beautiful princesses, money, whatever it was that the taiva of marrying out of the faith was for them, and it's hard to describe, but whatever it was, you know, okay, we're not saying they, maybe they converted them, you know, but it was iffy, who knows, whatever, it was, there was questions. But the bottom line is that last minute, Machlin backed out, he chickened out, he said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm, I, I have too, I, 
I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do this act. And Kilian said, no problem, I'll do it. And he walked up, and he married our That was the older one. After, after, after he already married Arpa, then Machlin's like, oh, okay, I'm not going to do it, whatever. He couldn't create and control himself anymore, and then he married, uh, ended up marrying Ross. But, what? Yeah, right, that extra, that little knage of like, of, of like I, can't, I can't bring myself to do something, has a Nitzchia's dika spark that, 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 that still maintained that he had the merit that, you know, from them it's coming to Dabra it's coming to Mashiach, everything's coming from them. So there was something, something very special. But what was it all about? It was that certain busha that he couldn't bring himself to do that, uh, that act. Even though it was temporary, it wasn't even a permanent thing. But that was an accomplishment in and of itself. Something very powerful thing to think about. So what's interesting is, is that although we look at bushes like, yeah, that's what keeps us from you know, doing, like, doing certain behaviors and like, certain things that are beneath us, we recognize that we have a certain chashivas. All those things you know, are, are, are true. But it's interesting in this, I saw Rabbi Isaac Sher is talking on this topic, and he said it's funny how that actually, although Busha is a very laudable quality that it's embedded in the DNA of Klal Yisrael, so much so is that it says that if you see a Yid that doesn't have any Busha, it's like felt in his Yichas, basically. Right? It's one of, our, it's one of the meters of Klal Yisrael, the Baishanim. But nevertheless, there's a certain time when the when Azuz Panim is called for, when you gotta like, fight your Busha. And that's the mission of that when you're when you want to steig in Torah, you have to like fight your nature of busha that you're, you don't want to show your ignorance, so therefore you like let it slide. It's like I don't understand exactly what's going on, but like I want to like you know, better people should think I'm a fool than open my mouth and they'll know I'm a fool. You know what I'm saying? And like that's the busha, which is a very wonderful thing, but lemaisa you're not going to learn. And it took tremendous azuspanim of our leaders, of our, uh, the G'daylam, that, that they were able to overcome their pushim because Tairi Velumad Anitzarech, as the famous Gemara goes, with a bunch of people that followed their Rebbeim into the bathroom to see what they're doing under the bed. Rav Kahana went under Rav's bed to see what's going on, to learn how Tairi Velumad Anitzarech. But uh, Ben Azay said to Rabbi Kiva when he followed Rabbi Yeshua, He's like, Ad Khan, he asked upon him, Rabcha, is that, that's what you're doing? You know, Azazus? And Rabbi Kiva, of course, responded, Tari So it's interesting, although the quality of our receiving of the Torah did give us that power of Busha and the Milo Busha and the sensitivity and the, like a certain class, that's the best way I could describe it in English, is that a certain Nobility. Nobility, that you're not willing to drag, drag yourself down to, to dirt. You just can't do it. You can't do it to yourself. That's taka happened to us. But then again, you got to just go in the dirt to get the taira, if, it's, if that's what it'll take. So it's funny, you have to like, to get the taira, you got to go, no, no, no boundaries, you got to go, fuck it, you know? Maybe that's Peshat. We, yeah. we, we transferred our Azus to Azus to Kedusha. Azus to Kedusha. 
That's what it is. So we can get rid of the Azus. We just Mekadosh the Azus. Chutz B'Yaski. Anyway, Lamaisa, just want to give us all a bracha. As everyone knows that when we come to a Yantif, the iris of a Yantif is, is, is renewed. So my, that uh, Taka, Mr. Taka, be able to grab hold of the Kaychus of Shavuos, that it should Taka elevate our bodies, not only our, our Neshama, but even our bodies to become uh, that much, you know, that, that finer, Nizdachich, clarified, and Taku should be, uh, should be a Gavaldika um, growth, basis for growth in Shtagging and Taira and, and channeled properly. Hey,